thanks for um, thanks for joining us. This is uh, the menopause. For those of you who have had the misfortune to listen to our uh, podcasts, uh, this isn't like them, is it? This is this is a bit more serious. This is actually, it's quite interesting. Yeah, unscripted, and you'll, you'll yes. probably learn something from it. So um, there's me, Simon Robinson. Hello. Uh, there's David Silito. Hello. And then we've got featuring with this. We're very lucky to have her. Uh, Carolyn Hobday. Hello. Carolyn Hobday is uh, HR director. That's a human resources director. So you've learned something there already. And Carolyn's going to talk to us about her experiences as uh, both a human resources director, as uh, somebody, a woman, in fact, who's been through the menopause. So uh, we're going to crack on. So we'll kind of split it. We're all going to do a bit of talking and then kind of chip in uh, with the other ones. Okay. And... Uh, uh, why is it important? So, oh yes, 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 yes. So, um, so one of the the three uh, of the workforce will soon be over fifty. Um, retirement ages are now sixty-eight. So the chances are, unless you're a, a one-man band, yeah, you'll be or a one-woman band, you'll be employing or managing uh, at least uh, one woman. According to the ONS, uh, there's four point four million women aged between fifty and sixty-four in the workforce. So it represents a significant growing uh, section of the of the workforce. So it's pretty much uh, an issue, or it will be an issue, in every workplace. Um, and the main ones, I suppose, would be health and social care, teaching, um, and uh, those kind of places employ huge numbers of women who are either perimenopausal, menopausal, or postmenopausal. Obviously, if they, this, I've got an approval for this gag from Carolyn. If they work for Nando's, they would be peri-perimenopausal. So... Karen laughs, so that's fine. So three out of four women experience symptoms. One in four could experience serious symptoms. And apparently CIPD research, which I've obviously read from start to finish, found that 59% of women experienced uh, or experienced menopausal symptoms uh, and said it had a negative impact on their work. So menopausal symptoms for any men out there, because I didn't know any of this, are typically experienced for several years. So apparently it's best described as a transition rather than a one-off event, and it typically happens between the ages of 45 to 55. The perimenopause is the phase leading up to the menopause where a woman's hormone balance starts to change, and for some women, this can start as early as the 20s or as late as their late 40s. So there's a Dr. Andrea Davis, who is the co-author of the government report on menopause, said as follows. Menopause and work, it's a two-way street. Work is good for menopause women. It contributes far more than just a salary. It can provide fulfillment, self-esteem, identity, and social needs too. But working environments like those with lack of temperature control, cramped conditions, some uniforms and stress can also make menopause symptoms worse. And in 2019, October 2019, oh, last month, the CIPD launched three policy calls for building menopause-friendly workplaces. Number one, the government should introduce that menopause is referenced as a priority issue in its public policy agenda on work diversity and inclusion. Uh, number two, the government should nominate a menopause ambassador to represent the interests of women experiencing menopause transition across government departments. And three, the government should support an employer-led campaign to raise awareness of the menopause as a workplace issue. Now, apparently on the 21st of September, Labour made some announcement about what the next government would do if they were Labour. I'm obviously not going to read that out because I'm not doing a party political broadcast for the Labour Party despite the fact that he would give me to. <laughs> so that's not going to happen. So should we go on to the next slide? So yeah, so why is it important? Well, these, I think, are probably pretty uh, self-evident. And this is important, I suppose, for any employee 
in the workplace. You want to support a culture of inclusivity, diversity, and equality, uh, increasing employee productivity, lowering absence and sickness. And that in itself, once you've got high absence and sickness levels, I think we said in our, our, uh, one of our previous uh, webinars, the cost of that can be, can be huge. You end up, a number of things. One, other employees uh, become stressed because they're having to pick up other people's work. Uh, clients and customers aren't well serviced. The person who's off sick, you may find, sits on sickness absence for a long period of time and ultimately doesn't return and perhaps even brings an employee tribunal claim. And generally, it lowers morale and productivity throughout the entire workforce. So looking at something like the menopause, I think our advice would be to treat it in the same way as you would with any other sickness absence. And you um, deal with it sympathetically. You, the way we always say it here is um, treat, treat your employees like you would want your kids to be treated um, or, or, or your wife or your husband, well, not in this case your husband, but yeah, my boy. Treat people well is, is the conclusion. And get them Lego for their birthday. Get all employees Lego <laughs> for their birthday. I think that's, that's good. Um, and reduce the risk of employee relations issues. So the kind of legal issues that you can, uh, you can face uh, are these ones here. So the Equality Act obviously protects all workers, not just those with two years uh, service against discrimination. This includes uh, sex, disability, and age, which are the ones that are, are relevant for this. Also, you've got your unfair dismissal, constructive unfair dismissal, which typically with employees over two years service. There's some exceptions like whistleblowing and that kind of thing, but broadly, you've got your, your two years protection. And in an employment tribunal, menopause symptoms have been accepted to be a disability. So consequently, we would say it's advisable for an employer to consider making changes for any female employee experiencing perimenopausal or menopausal symptoms. So the kind of things that you could do, one of the suggestions, I'm not sure I agree with this, but um, he put it in, is <laughs> if a worker is off sick because of menopause or perimenopause, the employer should consider whether or not to include these absences in their attendance record. This means that absence because of the menopause or perimenopause should not lead to a disciplinary warning. Well, I don't think it'd be a disciplinary warning. It would be a capability issue, wouldn't it? If you've got somebody who's off for a year, I think it would be it would be odd not to look at where you go. Yeah, that, I mean, you? I think consider whether to is the key there, and it may be appropriate to make adjustments in the same way as you would make them for a for a disability. Yeah. But it's important for employers to apply their minds yeah, to, to the issue. Yeah that's, yeah, that's a good point. So as long as you're applying your minds uh, to it, you can end up uh, including them. But but you know, uh, obviously, take legal advice from Robinson Ralph and nobody else before you, you do that. <laughs> So uh, examples of possible sex discrimination. If an employer treats a woman's menopause or perimenopause symptoms less seriously than a male worker's health condition when considering a drop in job performance. Unwanted comments, jokes, banter, or ridicule about a woman's menopause or perimenopause symptoms could amount to harassment or sexual harassment, depending on the nature of the unwanted behavior. Who would do that? Who would make those kind of jokes? Just Mad people. Yeah. Lots of people. Oh, have you? Really? Yeah, I think so. I think there's lots of uh, you know there's lots of the is it me or is it hot in here type jokes really yeah yeah that stuff would go on or yeah, like the eye rolling thing that would be about oh, just going through the change um, i think there would be that around in some workplaces but usually just from a lack of understanding so well the malicious yeah. Yeah. yeah okay so um so there's a couple of cases here we've mentioned uh, merchant the bt plc and davies the scottish force and tribunal service we've only got a limited number of time we can talk about um each slide so I'll, I'll just scoot through this but if you want the detail behind it let us know we can send you the, the cases so 2012 
the Merchant case, the tribunal upheld an employee's claim of direct sex discrimination when her employer failed to deal with the menopause symptoms in the same way that it would have dealt with other medical uh, conditions. In uh, the Davies case, which was in 2018, um, the, uh, the, the claimant, Mandy Davies, was a court officer from 1997. She had substantial medical problems relating to menopause onset and received medical treatment for several years. In February 2017, she was prescribed cystopurin, a brand-new medication that is taken by dissolving it in water for a virus cystitis. Now, my limited research on this is that apparently cystitis can be associated with the menopause. Yeah, yeah more common during, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she kept this in a pencil case on her, on her desk. So, so she goes out of court and comes back to court following the adjournment, found that her personal items had been moved and the water jug on her table was emptied. She noticed two men in the public court area drinking water and became concerned because she couldn't remember whether she had put her medication into the water. So she asked the men where it came from. They said the clerk had given it to them. When they asked why she wanted to know, she explained. But the client said which medication had been put in, as it was open court, just the medication had been put in. So apparently uh, one of the men uh, launched into a rant and made comments to the effects of, quotes, trying to poison the two old guys in the court, close quotes, and asking if he would, quotes, grow boobs, close quotes. So the health and safety team investigated the incident and uh, uh, the claimant was required to provide a written statement in which she mentioned she put the medication into uh, the water. It turns out the men hadn't actually, uh, the medication hadn't gone in the water, so there was no impact, but the men complained. Um, she was invited to a disciplinary hearing on the basis that she had not shown the uh, tribunal, uh, Scottish Courts and Tribunal Services values and behaviours and recommended formal disciplinary action for her gross misconduct, which I'm not even seeing on, on the facts. She acknowledged she'd been mistaken about the medication being in the water. They went to a disciplinary investigation and they concluded that her conduct breached its values and behaviours. They referred to occupational health, which confirmed she had perimenopausal symptoms, including severe anemia, causing tiredness, lightheadedness and fainting. One of the men who had drunk the water subsequently lost a court case he was involved in the claims of the events and caused him to lose concentration and focus, which the SCTS um, said would need. That was an aggravated breach of conduct by the claimant. She goes to a disciplinary hearing and sacked for gross misconduct, um, unsuccessfully appealed, goes to tribunal, conceded her disability and she was disabled at the time of dismissal. And the tribunal found that the SCTS had both unfairly dismissed her and discriminated against her on the grounds of disability, particularly as it failed to consider her disability's impact on her conduct. So she gets £5,000 injury to feelings and ordered to pay, they were ordered to pay to her 14000 just over £14,000 um, for pay to date, and she was uh, ordered to be reinstated. So that's that uh, case. And then legal issues, last one from me, you'll be absolutely thrilled to know it's health and safety. So the Health and Safety Workout 1974 says an employer must, where reasonably practical, ensure health, safety, and welfare at work. An employer must minimise, reduce, or where possible, remove at workplace health and safety risk for workers. It includes ensuring menopausal symptoms are not made worse by the workplace for its work practices. She needs to help a worker manage their symptoms when doing their job. So an employer, we would say, must generally assess health and safety risks for workers. So regarding the perimenopause and menopause, an assessment uh, should include the following things. The temperature and ventilation in the workplace, uh, finding out, uh, sorry, where cold water, drinking water is easily available, whether toilet and washing facilities are easily available, um, the materials used in the organization's uniform, there is one because uh, the uniform might make the worker going through the perimenopause or menopause, menopause pay too hot or worsen of skin irritation. 
and should also consider the assessment uh, somewhere suitable for the worker to rest. So is there anything you want to say on that? Yeah, I think it's. I think for me that was really interesting in terms of the, the risk assessment. The risk assessment side, because I think we're used to doing risk assessments, um, obviously for other health and safety reasons in relation to somebody's yeah. work. Um, probably a little less use, but obviously um, conduct them for uh, where somebody um, notifies you that they're pregnant. Right. Um, so for me, that's it's just important to bring in, um, you know all the right people in terms of that education and training. So getting, making sure that your health, health and safety people understand yeah. how to do a risk mm-hmm. assessment sensitively, um, yeah. whether it's a case um, of somebody going through the menopause or in perimenopause, um, but also making sure that line managers then are trained and understand, um, again, the sensitivity of that because they get involved in those risk assessments yeah. um, in themselves for an individual worker and, and, and your HR team as well, you know, making sure that they understand because, again, they might not have any experience of it themselves. I think that yeah. education piece is really important. Well, isn't going to take that long. I mean, people haven't been educated today, I, I grant you, yeah. but to educate people isn't going to take that long. And I suppose it's just stopping people wandering around Kabul in China shopping. Yeah, and kind of announcing it yeah. out loud, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm here to do the, your risk assessment for yeah. you. Know, you just need to make sure that people understand sort of the sensitivity of totally. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So, so it's over to, to David. Hello, everybody. Um, so, uh, firstly, just to pick up on. Um, what we've discussed so far and talked through some of the symptoms of the menopause. Um, so some symptoms of the perimenopause and the menopause um, can be the same. Um, it's really important to appreciate that the effects will vary from person to person, um, the particular symptoms that people suffer and the severity of those as well. Um, so they can include difficulty sleeping um, and night sweats. Um, that can be connected to feeling tired and lacking energy Uh, mood swings, feeling anxious and uh, suffering panic attacks, hot flushes, struggling to remember things, to concentrate and to focus, um, taking longer to recover from illness. Sorry, does that that all go go on for the 10 years? How long do these symptoms, or does it vary? It's completely variable. Um, So um, a a good rule of thumb, like you say, is that the the menopause from start to finish can go on for around 10 years. years. So you know, so the extent of any of those symptoms can, can completely vary over that period of time. And some people experience all of them. Some of them experience yeah. very few of them. So. so we've got irregular periods, aches and pains, including muscle and joint sniffness, uh, urinary problems, headaches, putting on weight, noticeable heartbeats, skin irritation and dry eyes. Um, so currently many workers don't disclose their menopausal symptoms at work. Um, including those who, who take time off. They might come up with other reasons, explain it in other ways. Um, that's usually because they will um, feel that the symptoms are a private matter. They'll feel that those symptoms are embarrassing for them. They don't know their line manager well enough or they're not confident uh, to confide in that line manager, particularly if the line manager is a male or young, male or female. Um, it, they'll just feel that line manager is less likely to, to empathize unless there has been a sort of program of education in the workplace. Um, Some people consider their symptoms might not be taken seriously. Uh, I think that, again, stems from a lack of awareness, although thought to be less capable as a result of them. Uh, And that's often why a lot of people end up leaving the workplace, because that's the the way that they feel. Um, And they'll feel their job security or chances of promotion will be diminished if they bring symptoms to their manager's attention. And I think, you know, you can quite easily see from that list of symptoms, that if the condition is severe, 
for a, it doesn't have to be for the whole of the 10 years. Um, obviously, disability needs to be for, for longer than a year. Um, but if there are particularly severe symptoms, you can see that this would quite easily be something that comes in the definition of disability. There's some of the symptoms that sort of spring out to, to me as, as, as being um, fairly obvious examples of, of, of a disability would be an unable to sleep, suffering from severe anxiety, urinary problems or, or migraines, you know, anything, anything like that, even if it comes and goes over a, a long term period, it, it, you may well come within that definition of disability as an employee. Uh, and bear in mind that if you're in tribunal arguing that issue, it's a relatively low bar for a, a claimant to get over. Substantial adverse effect doesn't mean really significant. It just means something more than minor or, or trivial. Um, bear in mind as well that um, knowledge of a disability um, will include constructive knowledge. So just because somebody hasn't come to you and said they've got a specific health condition, um, that they're suffering particular symptoms, if it's quite clear that this person is suffering from migraine, suffering from anxiety, you may well be deemed to have knowledge as an employer anyway. So what measures can you put in place? So this is broken down into, into two parts, really. Um, firstly, proactive measures uh, that an employer can take. And secondly, reactive measures in relation to a particular employee. Um, so the first slide dealing with proactive measures. Um, well, HR, as we've said, is ideally placed to take a proactive approach to dealing with the, the menopause at work. If you have a, a sophisticated HR department, that will make life um, easier for, for an employer. Um, line managers uh, as well, it's really important for them to be aware and trained. Um, they don't need to be menopause experts, um, but they will usually be the first point of contact for, for, for employees. Um, you know, line managers can feel quite intimidated by uh, dealing with an issue that they're initially not um, confident in, not knowledgeable about. Uh, one of the um, menopause at work reports that I read um, deals with, uh, uh, refers to a line manager saying they felt uncomfortable dealing with menopause at work because they didn't know about HRT. Um, and, and, and the response from the, the, the hen-picked organisation um, was that um, that line manager might not know how to do an epidural, but they'll be perfectly competent to deal with a, men, uh, with, with a maternity meeting as well. Um, so, you know, it's just giving line managers knowledge, giving them confidence in dealing with the issue. Um, ACAS says it's advisable for an employer to develop a policy and train all managers, supervisors and team leaders uh, to make sure that they understand. Um, our view is that managers don't need to know the law as such. They just need to know how they can support people. Um, so uh, what are the areas that might come up? Well, managing um, Absence from work, that needs to be handled sympathetically. Uh, the employer and the worker should be prepared to make changes to help the worker to continue to work and to minimise, reduce or remove any dips in job performance because of the symptoms. Consider having a, a menopause champion um, in the, your, your workplace. Whether it's appropriate will depend upon the demographic of your workforce. Um, but if it is, then that person can be a point of contact for workers and managers and they can let all staff know through steps such as posters, intranet uh, publications that the employer will try to support workers going through the menopause, um, set up a support network, and they can also tell workers and managers where to find more information. So for a particular employee, what are the steps that, that, that can be taken to make the working environment a little more bearable um, for them? Uh, well, providing a fan, 
allowing rest breaks, providing a private area uh, where people can rest, moving the desk closer to a window that opens, being flexible over start and finish times, allowing them to work from home, uh, allowing time off if they can't carry on working that day, um, consider flexible working, so changing certain duties, moving that person to a more suitable role, then going part-time or switching to a job share. And it's really important to review any changes that have been made as you progress, because symptoms, as we've said, will vary and fluctuate throughout the, the lengthy period. It's just little reasonable adjustments then, isn't it? That's yeah, very, yeah, exactly the kind of things that you'd be considering um, for, for any employee going through uh, any sort of health issue, whether it's a disability or not. Because if you think about you know, uh, capability processes and fair capability processes, they will all involve consideration of reasonable adjustments, whether or not that person has uh, a, 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 what might be defined as a disability. Um, and use occupational health if you've got access to occupational health services. If you don't, then there's an organisation called Fit for Work, which offers free expert uh, advice for anyone looking for help with issues around health and their work. So just before I hand over to Carolyn, just mentioning a couple of examples of organisations that have taken um, steps uh, to um, support employees going through the menopause. I mean, these are all large organisations or both large organisations. You've got to pick what's right for you and your organisation out from this. Um, Seven Trent um, have got 6,200 plus staff. So they've got a lot of women um, there going through the menopause. Um, they broke ground by hosting a workshop at their Coventry headquarters um, to open up a conversation about the menopause. They had experts on hand to share information and outline the support available. Around 90 guests attended, including seven men, which I think is really interesting and really important. Um, you know, this isn't in terms of dealing with this issue in the workplace. It is not just a female issue. Um, employees were encouraged to discuss the menopause, see their GP if needed and request adjustments. Um, and 96% of staff felt that following the workshop, it, it really helped their confidence to discuss in discussing the menopause. Um, and it's since then the company has hosted other events um, and holds regular awareness uh, events throughout the year. The University of Leicester, um, well, they had members of the business school who contributed to the government report on menopause at work. Um, and, and, and that made them think, well, hang on, maybe we should be doing something and, and make sure that the University of Leicester um, is, is, a, is a sort of beacon in terms of um, dealing with employees with the, the menopause. So they had a launch event in October 2017. And since then, they've run menopause roadshows for staff who couldn't attend the launch event. Um, and they've also had monthly uh, menopause cafes. Feedback from that, from their employees, has been that it's so great to work in a place that takes menopause seriously. Uh, it's so nice to realize it isn't just me. Now I know that I'm not going mad. Um, so obviously a lot of employees being a lot more engaged just through these fairly simple initiatives. And I'm now going to hand over to Carolyn. Thank you. Um, I guess just wanted to highlight a few things really, both from a professional point of view, um, as Simon said at the start, from an HR um, perspective, but also a personal perspective. Um, I think it's really important that we recognise that 100% of women go through the menopause. This is not a minority issue. And if we say sort of roughly 50% of the population are women, um, therefore then roughly 50% of the population at work are women, then 100% of that 50% are, are going to go through the menopause. So, you know, it's not a minor issue, which is why it deserves our attention, um, you know, both as society and in the workplace. Um, 
what it's also um, important to say, and we touched on it earlier, is that like people's experiences of the menopause and their symptoms vary massively. So it is really important, again, that um, whilst it's you know, great to look at you know, all the different symptoms, it's really important that we bear those in mind. But what symptoms people will have, the degree and the variation of those symptoms, um, we need to make sure that it's a really individual matter. Um, for example, um, 25%, so the, you know, the whole is it me or is it hot in here, hot flushes thing, which I think would typically be what we would associate with the menopause. 25% of women don't have hot flushes. Okay. So you know, it there in itself is, is you know, an example of the fact that it's, um, you know, all, it's not unilateral in terms of what people go through. Have to bear in mind then that as a line manager, that makes it really tough to manage and really confusing because it's, it's you know, there's no one size fits all. Um, despite the fact that the menopause is kind of, you know, guaranteed um, for all women, um, I would say that, um, you know, my personal experience certainly was is that support and knowledge within the NHS is not great. Um, even though, like I said, it's so universally um, experienced. Um, I've talked to many women who say that their experience, certainly in terms of their general practitioner, it's not always great. So I think as an employer, don't just assume that if they're going and seeing their GP that they're getting all the help and the yeah. support that they really could do with. There are people out there within the NHS <laughs> who um, are fantastic. But I would say, um, I mean, my circumstances were very unusual in that you know, my menopause started at 24. I didn't find out about it till I was 32, which in itself says something about the fact that my symptoms then weren't recognised. But it took me 10 years then to get in front of the right person in the yeah. NHS to help me. So I think don't assume that they're getting the support they need in the NHS. And that for me is where it's really important. You talk about like occupational yeah. health services. I think really use those occupational health services um, because whilst I think um, knowledge and, and understanding in the NHS is getting better, yeah. um, I think that those other support services can be really helpful. Has the problem been up till now, do you think, that it's kind of been mystified? Because no one's talked about it, then no one's yeah. learned about it, and it's become this kind of, let's pretend it doesn't happen. It, yeah, so it's the embarrassment factor, yeah. and I think what's been really interesting, I mean, some of the great stuff that's gone on recently where, um, you know, I think I, you know, ITV and um, BBC have both been doing sort of menopause features and talking about oh, it yeah. more but mm. I think quite a lot of what came out of that was the fact that women don't even talk to each other about mm. it very right. much um so the fact that we're sort of raising the debate is amazing because that allows people to start talking about and it is that, yeah. is that what Dave was talking about then that people people haven't talked about it because they fear the impact on their the jobs and oh I'm going to be yeah. seen as old now and I'm not going to mm. be able to look for promotion and yeah and I think it's really important um you know just you know the fact that as you talk about typically it happens between the ages of 45 and 55 yeah. um women are having children much later so yeah. you've got to bear in mind that this these are old ladies that are going through this no. this is potentially the mum at the school game yeah um so um you know i think it's also bearing that in mind yeah. that it's, you know they're not they're not retirees that this is happening. Yeah. and i think that's the problem isn't it the perception has been so far completely wrongly mm. that they are some, as soon as someone hits the menopause, that's them. They're on the scrappy. They're on the scrappy. I think it's, yeah. a, it's no wonder people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. It's, a, it's a vicious circle as well, isn't it? Because if people aren't getting the support, they are more likely to drop out of the workplace. Yeah. Therefore, it's not an issue that the employer needs to deal with. Um, and therefore, the employer won't get better at dealing with it, won't have the awareness. Yeah. Um, and you know that impacts on women remaining in the workplace. It impacts on gender pay gap and all sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, um, all sorts of issues so um so my next point really is about menopause is everyone's issue and my point with that is that we really need to help guys to understand this you know it is it is obviously you know a, a, an issue for women but you know there'll be men all around the workplace who who themselves are, are you know are, are line managers but they'll also potentially be husbands sons 
brothers of, of yeah. women who are going through this. So Not everybody is as woke as us. Well, that's why I've never, I mean, it's the same notion. I've never understood these blokes that sexually harass women. I think that you've obviously got a mom, yeah. sister, wife, kids. Yeah. And so I've never understood that for why blokes behave like that. But maybe it's just, when you say it's everyone's issue, we can't say as employers we're interested in diversity and inclusion. And then she's not taking interest in that. Exactly. And I think as well, it's about just helping everybody to understand it. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's helping women to understand it because yeah. that point that you raised in terms of, I, I, I now no longer feel like I'm going mad. That's a really, really common right. reaction because it's, um, you know, because of how it affects people. And I think how I try and explain it is it's like going through puberty in reverse. So that's what's going on. So, you know, you have the typical kind of yeah. what, you know, back to Perry thing, Kevin and Perry, yeah. um, you know, where it's like, you know, the, the, the teenager bit, yeah. it's like going through that, but it's going back the other way because that's essentially yeah. what's happening to the body. So those kind of mood swings, the grumpiness, the hormonal outbursts, um, the emotion um, upset, the confusion, all of that is what's going on in the menopause. Is there some depression, if it's happening when you're younger, some kind of depression comes with that as well, because you're, especially I, if you haven't the kids yet. I think, think it happens um, whatever age you go. Right through it because again it's that sense of being on the scrap heap so my kind of even if you've had your children and even if you don't want any more children the idea that it's kind of like actually your childbearing ability is is now over you know that comes with it a a real emotional um effect as well so you need to remember that um so which is why you know i say it's everybody's issue Um, and the thing is, you know, like saying it's like puberty, but puberty lasts somewhere between two and five years. Yeah. The menopause can, like I said, goes on for about 10 years. Mm. So it's like going through puberty, but, but potentially up to four or five times longer yeah. um, than you would normally go through it. Just on that point, when are you planning to hit puberty, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, check this beard out. Like, yeah. I think you can tell. <laughs> um, the next point I say about context is key. So also it's about not seeing the menopause in isolation. Um, like I said, you know, the, the typical age is between 45 and 55. The average age is 51 years old um, for going through the menopause. But think about then what else is happening in that person's life at the same time. Yeah. So they may have elderly parents at that point that they're also tending to, which is difficult and emotional. Yeah. They may, um, you know, because of their employment history and their career, they may well have had a job promotion and be leading other people. Yeah. So that in itself is a challenge. Um, they may well have other health issues for themselves yeah. or, or others. Um they might have empty nest syndrome, so um, yeah. their children might have just gone off to university. So again, you're feeling sort of a bit useless. Again, yeah. you're feeling a bit emotional. So all of those things going on. Yeah. Or, you know, if your kids are still at home, they may well be going through key exam times, you know, GCSEs, A-levels, yeah. which again is very stressful. Yeah. So again, try and see the person as a whole person mm. and what else might that be going on for them. Well, context is key is a phrase that appears a lot, as we both, all three of us know, in case law yeah. by the courts. And that's really useful, I think, that expansion mm. of just making people step back and realise it's that employees aren't problems to be solved, that yeah. they're individuals to be helped, aren't yeah. they? And I think that's the... Yeah, it's not just a workplace issue. So, yeah. so talk about them in the round um, when you talk about it. And, and I think, you know, the final point, you know, a policy that a number of the examples you guys have given, and I'm sure we'll pass on to, to um, anybody watching and listening, but is that there's, you know, great examples of policy, but a policy without any action solves nothing. And I think yeah. the great examples that you've talked about today shows that, Yes, they had a policy, but they did huge amounts with it in yeah. terms of support yeah. groups and networks. So just writing a policy and then go, right, that's it, that's done, um, is not going to help anybody. Yeah. So that education, that training, the talking about it, yeah. giving people a vehicle to kind of step forward and yeah. go, I think this might be happening to me. Can I you know, have some help, yeah. please? Yeah. It's really, really important. We always, we always say, don't we, that there's only one thing worse than not having a policy, and that's having a policy and not using it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it needs it to costs, be something that applies. Yeah, sorry. sorry, yeah, but the headphones back in the 
Sorry. No, go on. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that that um, I think it costs nothing for employers to be empathetic. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's, all, that's really all that's being yeah. suggested here, isn't it? And just help them to be. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'm really, for me, my, my real passion is about helping guys yeah. um, to help people. You know, the majority, dare I say it, the majority of line managers are still male yeah. um, overall. So let's just help them to be better at it with this. Yeah. That's a symptomatic cause, isn't it? Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, other helpful resources for you to refer to. Do have a look at the ACAS Menopause at Work Guide. I think if you're interested enough um, in the subject to watch this webinar, um, doesn't take too long um and it's really helpful really practical really easy to read there are those cipd guys there the menopause at work and a practical guide for people managers um the cipd provides downloads there's posters um and a leaflet um to to, to for information to provide information for employees um uh, also robinson ralph what can we do oh well um we provide some excellent training yeah. Um, policies and uh, HR support. Oh. And um, not only are we very, very nice people, we're also very, very good lawyers. Excellent. No, are there any questions we can get up there, Dean? What questions do you have? I think they're up here. How, do you know how to work your own thing? A mouse. That's it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Q&A, go on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, a question from Mark. I was recently, yeah, I was recently, I was recently part of a PH where the claimant successfully argued that symptoms of menopause constituted dis, disability in her case. Yeah, yeah so that's what okay. I'm yeah, I'm yeah. Not, yeah don't, I'm not sure there's a questionnaire, but um, yeah, absolutely illustrates the point that we were making. So thank you for that, Mark. And then you can do the next oh, one. Oh, I'm happy to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, okay, go on, yeah. So the next one is about um, when you stay at work from home, what impact or difference uh, would this be from working in the office? Um, so from my experience, actually, from somebody that um, I used to manage, is that, um, again, going back to some of the symptoms, if you're dealing with anxiety, it stops the need on that particular day that they might have to yeah. sort of get up and get out of the house. Um, I think certainly then in terms of the when they find it particularly hot, so particularly when the weather yeah. is hot, I know, you know that will affect them even more. Yeah. So the ability to sort of be at home, kind of wear what they want, yeah. um, open a window, whatever else that they might not have to do in terms of dressing and, uh, and being in work, particularly yeah. if there's a uniform. Um, and dare I say, you know, one of the things that happens during the menopause is that periods become really um, erratic, very heavy, difficult to manage, um, quite unpredictable. Um, so sometimes just um, working at home when somebody's got their period, if it's yeah. particularly um, painful or embarrassing um, to deal with, that would really, really help them. Okay. So then somebody else anonymous has said, so what would you say is reasonable then? We could go on forever here. I, and I'm sure it's things like this has gone on forever. I just think it would have such an impact on our workforce if we start implementing such policies for this. Well, well, what's reasonable depends on the workforce. It's no, it's no different than having a reasonable adjustment for somebody who um, has a disability. And, and what's reasonable in one workforce or one team within a workforce may not be reasonable in another one. I think it's all about... Uh, compassion but compassion uh, coupled with with the business needs yeah and, and i think saying it'll have such an impact on the workforce i mean that's slightly ambiguous i mean what the, i think the message we're trying to get across here is that yes dealing with this positively is supporting employees um and it'll affect 50 percent of your employees if they stay employed for long enough um you know well assuming you've got an equal uh, equally split workforce um uh, you know, it will have an impact, but a lot of positive impacts in that it'll improve employee engagement um, and productivity and all those other um, positive outcomes that we mentioned uh, earlier. And I think, you know, if, if the risk, if the worry is um, that making adjustments and supporting people 
um, will be seen as unfair by other employees. That's where the education aspect comes in uh, and just making sure that, that everybody is aware um, and communicating um, you know, what options are available to people. And also, I think if, if the other thing you might want to bear in mind from a purely selfish point of view is you sat there under oath in an employment tribunal facing a barrister whose solicitor whose sole job is to make you look unreasonable in front of a judge who will not be on your side, will be neutral, trying to say why you didn't um, conduct yourselves reasonably or introduce policies um, or train managers uh, saying broadly, well, with a big impact on our workforce, you may find yourself, um, if you're named individually, but if not, your organisation going down for a significant amount of money. And then, of course, that was the reputational stuff when it hits the press or it's on Twitter or whatever. So I think what is reasonable is not a cause for panic. It's what is reasonable in any individual circumstances. I think as well is I would always advocate, I mean, whilst you might have a policy in its own right, try and build it into other things that you're doing. So build it into other types of training. So rather than making Mm. it an issue on its own, just build the education into other things that you're doing. Other training around the workplace, other training about um, discrimination or about disabilities or just about treating your people with dignity and respect, you know, when you talk about your values. So try not to make it an issue in its own. Because I do, you know, I do have some empathy in terms of, you know, we can go on and on and, um, you know, having new policies for stuff just build it into other training mm. just make it part of yeah. that yeah i think how would you like to be treated in the workplace how would you like your friends and family to be treated in the workplace and it's it's it inevitably it all comes down to that they're treated reasonably and that's that's all we're suggesting that people are treated reasonably i don't know if i can answer any of that okay good stuff all right um thank you all uh, for watching in particular a big thank you to carolyn who yes thank you uh, carolyn uh, which is thank which is good and um, you actually um, went above and beyond the, the kind of the dull legal stuff. Right, bye then. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.